You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Music Biz 101 and more. I can't remember when you looked at me and cried. Said something broke inside of you. My best friend. Whatever come my way, you know I'm yours until the end. Music Biz 101 and more. It's your free advice radio show Man. and podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Find us every Wednesday, Brave New Radio, WP88.7 FM on the campus of William Patterson University in Scenic Way, New Jersey, or on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher Radio as a podcast. I'm your co-host, Professor David Kirk Philp, with your other co-host, Dr. Esteban. Yes. Dr. Esteban, yes. See are Marconi. we in Nashville now? We are not in Nashville. We are oh, in New York City. Wow. The Big Apple. The Big it Apple. It never sleeps. Okay. We're in the offices of Ex- Warner Music Group. Very, very. That's right. This is Leading a, edge. Yeah, we're leading company. edge people. Right. And we have an ultra large radio show today and podcast. It's filled with fancy executives. But before we jump in with them, let us give some thanks, shall we? Okay. So executives, please don't say anything, all right? We want to give thanks to Van Dyne Bruno, Inc. and White Hat Management with artists like Charlie Puth, Dave Matthews, Sharon Jones, the Dap Kings, and Kiss. There's only one place to go for your band's management. Go to vb-cpa.com at the best time for you if you are a band or a manager. And we also want to give our thanks to Christine Vey, a wealth manager and the president of Vey Wealth Management. Christine has helped many professionals at William Patterson and, and elsewhere in the world manage their investments and plan out for their retirement. If you're looking for some guidance on how to plan for your retirement, or if you have questions on anything from investments and portfolio management to insurance, retirement planning, give Christine a call at 732-455-1510. You could also email her, Christine at VeyWealth.com for advisement. Is it just VeyWealth? There's nothing in front of the Vey. There's uh, Christine at OyVeyWealth.com oh, okay. as well so. if you're feeling emotional about your <laughs> investor. What's, what's her, uh, her tagline? Mazel tov. <laughs> we go. What is that? Our money, your now her money, and focus. Okay. Yeah. So we have two uh, fancy people with us. And why are we here? Didn't we interview these gentlemen earlier? We never did. We, we have Dan Goldberg and Matt Young I from the Warner we Music did, Group but with us. Something happened. We were going to have them back in November. It was November fifth. But we bought them 20th. dinner. 
That's 15. a diner. And we so bought on. the dinner at a diner. And weren't we going right up to the radio station? And then we went to the radio station, and we had no show that basketball game. There was a basketball game. That was do you guys right. like sports, Matt? Dan, do you guys like sports? Mm-hmm. We, we always, do, in fact. We know. get bumped for basketball. That's yeah, it. That's right. The only thing that preempts. That's right. It's the only thing that would ever preempt music biz one or one. I don't feel as bad now. Okay. <laughs> now, now you feel better. So that's the voice of Matt. Dan, say hello. Hey. Hey, all right. Matt, say hey. What's up? How Not, are you guys? So we're up, we're doing. really want to thank them for doing this again. Yes. Well, we promised well, it them. It feels like we've never done it before. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's just seeing us again. Which is How about true. that? It's like a second date. Seeing you again is painful enough. <laughs> That's you know. right. You know, it's got a face months. for radio. Yeah. You know yeah. that. <laughs> so I'll do a quick bio, and then we could get into asking what you guys are doing here, because that's really what this is sure. about. So first we'll talk Dan Goldberg, creative business executive, more than 15 years of data-driven business development, marketing, and strategy experience. Is that still valid? I believe so. Are we at 16 years now? We're still more than 15. Can uh, we say more than 16? Probably say more than 15. 15 plus. He doesn't want to age, I don't age myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So he's got some experience. He's the senior VP of Warner Music Artist Services at the Warner Music Group, correct? Correct. Okay. He leads uh, Warner Music Group's global business strategy and commercial development of e-commerce Merchandise and ticketing and fan club businesses, as well as global CRM strategy. Dan leads Warner Music Group's global business strategy and commercial development of e-commerce. Is that everything I just said? Merchandise and ticketing and fan club businesses, as, as well as overseeing a global team, a lot of global. It's worldwide, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Dan speaks 117 languages, by the 115. way. 115. Sorry, 100, that went down, went down by two. Some right. over that's 115. Right. Not all of them are global. Uh, it's going to Mars next year. And, and so you need to be universal, yet not work for universal. <laughs> he deals with CRM campaign management, consumer analytics, web and mobile strategies. The cool thing is, where is it? Your whole thing is you want to be the right offers in front of the right fans at the right times. Dan also holds a law degree from Brooklyn Law School and is a member. Are you still a member of the New York State Bar? I am. Still a member of the New York State Bar. Then we have Matt Young. Despite my best efforts. <laughs> he has been trying to kick <laughs> out multiple theirs. times. They like him very much. Well, you pay your dues. So, um, And then re- recently, uh, WIA Corp combined all of its direct-to-fan and merchandise capabilities into one newly formed division called Warner Music Artist Services. And Matt Young, a nearly 20-year music industry vet... So is that more than you, Dan? If you're 16 plus, you're... I believe so, but he might be more than 20 at this point. But again, doesn't want to date himself. I am not dating myself. (laughs) Matt is 16 years old. He's like Shawn Mendes speaking. And uh, Matt was recently promoted to executive vice president of the new Warner Music Artist Services. The division offers a suite of ancillary... I said the word right. Ancillary right services for recording artists, artists... Encompassing... Is that how you said that word? Encompassing? Encompassing. 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 I'm a college professor, direct to fan e-commerce, fan clubs, website yeah, design, ticketing, merchandise, marketing, account management, and data research and analysis. Before that, uh, Matt owned his own record <laughs> label. He's at executive positions at merchandising companies. He worked as a DJ at WSOU in Seton Hall. He has mm-hmm. three children and a wife. One wife? Only one. One wife, three children. You, Matt, you have two kids? Uh, Dan has two kids. Sorry. <laughs> Look at uh, Dan has two kids and one wife as well. He caught it. I know. Good for you. So here we go. So we're all done. Thanks, guys. Right. Yeah. That was Music Thanks Biz. Uh, hang out. Don't have to listen to Dave anymore. That's right. So uh, why don't we get into Marconi? Ask some general. Well, I think that uh, in general, we've been talking about 360 deals that, for the last few years, of course. And the first 
I guess, couple of years that they that they came about, everybody was saying, well, the labels, what can the, they, they've never done this merch and they've never done all these other things. They've just been doing recordings. And uh, why should we give away all this stuff as an artist uh, just to get signed and so on and so forth? And then Dave and I both started studying various companies and we noticed that Warner Music and Atlantic, but I think Atlantic is the first place we really started to see this. But Atlantic was sticking out in really what I would claim is they're putting money where their mouth is. What they're saying is that we are full service and that we do things that used to be outsourced that we're going to do for you now. And we're all going to do this together. And uh, I think that was a pleasant discovery that Dave and I both made. And it seems here, even today, what we were just talking right before the, uh, the show started, that probably without the 360 deal, this wouldn't this area of music artist services would be very be smaller, if not even not in existence. Uh, and I think we can get into it that way to really talk about then. Besides, everybody knows that a label does recording of an artist, but then what else are you guys contributing to make these artists as big as they want to be? Uh, it's a great question. Right, ten years ago, you wouldn't even be thinking about asking that question. But in the last nine or ten years, with the advent of the 360 deal, which 360 was a four-letter word eight or nine years ago mm. when they started doing this stuff, um, and it was uh, a Warner that stood up first and said, "We're going to do these things with our artists. We're going to partner with our artists. We're going to make sure we have boots on the ground in all the territories, and we're going to have folks who are experts in these areas to help us <clears throat> figure out how best to grow these businesses for our artists." Mm-hmm. Now. We're going to put a ton of money into helping you build your brand. We're going to help you with all aspects of your career other than the music, right? So we have the music. We're going to get that uh, in in uh, the playlist on the radio stations. We're going to get it in front of all the marketers. We're going to get it on TV in form of sponsorship and syncs. We're going to do all the things we do as a record label, but we're also going to do the other half. And we, we use the analogy of a pie or a pizza. The labels were doing three or four slices of the business before. Mm-hmm. Now they're doing all eight, right? Mm-hmm. You can almost break it down into a kid's pizza. Mm-hmm. It's more than eight. It's like 16 or 32 at this yeah, point. Right. And different sm- different smaller pieces of the business may not make as much money, but do have an impact on the branding. Uh, we do uh, a, a ton of brand partnership stuff with outside companies that are in fashion. There is a, a company called Stance Socks, which for Action Bronson, who never would have done this without... Uh, us helping him did a limited edition collection of stance socks stance socks are a bloggers uh fashion bloggers you know mm-hmm. cream of the crop mm-hmm. so action bronson doing a limited edition stance socks uh collection allows him to be talked about an area where he wasn't being talked about mm-hmm. before an additional branding mm-hmm. um angle and an additional although minor sometimes revenue stream um, but more importantly, keeps the name out there and exposes him to a different audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately we, or, or Warner, took a different approach in regards to these types of deals. And instead of being what's known as passive, we've always decided to be active. Yeah, and good work. We've built these businesses and, and invested in, in people and <coughs> the, the platforms in order to properly develop these streams for our artists. 
Mm-hmm. So we took a bit of a different approach. You know, Matt will be a little humble, but he was the first person Warner hired to grow the merch business about eight years ago or nine years ago, however long it is. I joined Warner Music Group via Roadrunner, where I was brought in specifically to look after these businesses on behalf of the label mm-hmm. and to make sure that we were actually driving these businesses for our artists, for one, mm-hmm. and for two, finding unique and different ways to brand and market our artists by virtue of being involved in in these businesses because they ultimately give us different angles and different avenues to properly, you know, or not properly, but to market our artists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just more touch points, in addition to also driving incremental revenue mm-hmm. for both us and the artists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so in essence, Dan was almost a, par- a partner and a customer of the services that yeah. Warner had started. Right. You know, here at the center uh, as the hub of the label. Right. Um, and, and really, our goal at the end of the day is to help <laughs> help the labels break artists um, and help the artists drive revenue. Um in, so, in, in ways they want to see re- revenue driven, whether that's sponsorship, tickets, VIP services, merchandise, mm-hmm. uh, marketing, web stores, mm-hmm. you name mm-hmm. it. So historically, to break an artist, if it was just through radio, <clears throat> going back even just a decade, radio and you know get out there and play, this is building on that it, and adding additional mm-hmm. layers to help do that in addition to traditional now yeah, we have social media yeah. but yeah. You know, no, I don't want to say hedging but it, it adds layers that you mm-hmm. control that as the band and the label together yeah. our partners right. it's all controlled internally mm-hmm. as someone who worked outside of a label nine before the, in the last nine years I would find it frustrating when an artist would have a photo shoot done and they would have great photos but I couldn't use them on the poster that would go in Walmart or I couldn't use them on the tour shirt because the label owned the photo. Or had to purchase mm-hmm. it from the label. Or we have to spend a ton of money. So now everything here is about one brand. The mm-hmm. marketing plans that get done at the labels include the merch pre-order, the ticket pre-order, the VIP on sale, the Christmas special, the back-to-school backpack goodie box with, with accessories. All of that's part of an 18- to 24-month marketing plan for every artist now which didn't exist before this and doesn't exist at any other label. Mm-hmm. We're here about we're here to, to brand the artist. Yes, that means selling records. Yes, that means getting on the radio. Yes, that means Spotify playlists. Yes, that means merchandising, ticketing, and VIP services. Right. right. I remember when Julie uh, Greenwell was at the school two years ago, I believe it was, two springs ago, and we brought up, it was brought up, the 360 deal and so on, and she was, um, well, she was trying to convince a lot of the kids out there that really, you know, still have that <clears throat> feeling, why am I giving up, but they have nothing to give, but I mean, why am I giving, and she was making a very good place of why would you not partner with me, and she was talking about what Warner is doing now in terms of helping, not sitting, as you said, passive, but being extremely active. Not and to I, mention, I mean, over the years, what we've tried to do, and I've almost made it a personal mission in some ways is finding ways to constantly leverage one right right so to speak to drive another one that yeah. can, and, and try to put together programs where only that can only happen when there's one company administering or responsible for all the rights mm-hmm. you know where you're bundling maybe an album with a ticket or a live recording with a ticket and then having that content which you then give out in a web store yeah. only stream for fan club members or whatever right, right. trying to think of what are the things we can do right. 
when there's only one company involved and you don't have to worry about, as Matt said before, purchasing right. a photograph from another company. Yeah. Because yeah. if every time we figure that out and there's a new case study, so to speak, it just becomes uh, not only a better story, but it's ultimately driving incremental business that can mm-hmm. be driven mm-hmm. if there was a separate merchandising company yeah, or a separate yeah. ticketing company or a separate e-commerce company sure. or whatever else. Sure. And I think you said Julie, Julie's name. Julie was one of the very early adopters of this philosophy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that we can do a lot more if we're one big company yeah. as opposed to having it splintered. She's been an amazing um, advocate. She has seen it from the beginning, the value in the artists, mm-hmm. uh, what we mm-hmm. can do for the artists this way, um, and uh, has been the ultimate partner. She's, she's amazing. She's right. the best in the business, hands down, and gets what it's like to be a branding machine, not just a record label. Right, right. So uh, we've been hearing, um, just to splinter it off a little bit on some of the things you do, has there been any... Um, problems with meet and greets as we heard that there might be because of the violence that has occurred in the last 30 days or so uh, you know there was the artist that it's unfortunate it right but yeah it's um it's i think more uh, just symbolic of the, the world we live yeah, in today course, right i think course. but do you the have the, of are they asking for extra security or yeah, a little bit of uh, everyone sort of doing their diligence. Uh, mm-hmm. You'll see a lot of the security is the responsibility of the building, and mm-hmm. they are insured for such purposes and so forth and so on. I believe the incident in Florida, I don't know exactly, right. but that wasn't a meet and greet as far as a paid VIP no, right, experience. It right. was a, hey, hang around afterwards and come meet me at the yeah, merch table, right. which is done every day in clubs around mm-hmm. the world. Yeah, so it's really unfortunate to see this craziness happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when it comes to the, hey, I'm expecting, I'm paying, I'm expecting for a service to be provided, the buildings a lot of times have that contract with the security companies, mm-hmm. the metal detectors, the wands, so forth and so yeah, on. So yeah. I think you would argue that there are more of those things happening. Right. Um, uh, we've seen it, certainly, mm-hmm. and we know that um, we've been asked by our artists to make sure that the, the correct measures are in place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Typically, though, it is, is the responsibility of the venue. Yeah, I was, I was shocked with the Ir- Irving Plaza thing. That yeah. I couldn't believe that Irving Plaza didn't have metal detectors <clears throat> just because you go through metal detectors you know, everywhere now where they're, they're not as obvious as they used to be. But then I, when I read deeper into the story, I found that he came in with the entourage. Yeah, and the in. entourage didn't have a metal detector. No. In their entrance, right. Yeah, I was in V VIP entrance. I remember being in uh, The Rock in uh, Newark. Mm-hmm. And it was the back elevators and all that. And the guys were with the wands and mm-hmm. every single one of us two, three years ago. So I was really you know, surprised. And obviously that was a little... A lax and some somebody. You, you see, we, I went to Dan and I went to Hershey Park earlier this summer, and uh, Hershey Park is a massive venue. It's an mm-hmm. outside stadium, mm-hmm. holds like thirty something thousand it, people, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It's in a parking lot. There are multiple entrances, but what was different this year than the last few years is that there were portable metal detectors by the dozens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that that as you stayed throughout the night, and they everyone was in. They had a, I guess, there's a union crew that comes and collects them all and organizes them and stores them for the next show. Yeah. It's definitely way more prevalent. Yeah. And, and that, when we talk about the economics of it, so you mentioned that's an added expense by the promoter in the mm-hmm. venue. Probably. Right? Yeah, I would imagine it is. And are, do you expect at some point maybe to see some of those expenses pass along? Hard to tell. 
Mm. There was already some element of security uh-huh. in most, so if there's an increase, it's probably... I mean, theoretically, if it's an expense to the promoter, it's probably already passed back to the artist as part <laughs> yeah. of the core deal, uh-huh. right? Right, right. Yeah. sure. It's part so of the net theoretically, expense. you're right, it should increase over right. time. But it's a challenge, because mm-hmm. I think at the core of everything that we do or what we're trying to do is really super serve whoever that big fan is mm-hmm. or that core fan is, so more security, whatever else. It's just creates an extra layer so because what they're paying for especially on the vip side right to answer your question exactly the whole element of the meet and greet is allowing the artist's biggest fan to get yeah close to them and access to them and meet them so that's the holy grail right holy grail for the fan is access and now we're putting more layers in place for the right reasons sure yeah right Right. um but it is you know you brought it up so the question the question is there now, do you have a uh, a creative team that, um, when you're stretching the brand, you know, every artist is different, of course, mm-hmm. but to come up with some ideas that you then would go to the manager to Yeah, we just to uh, we just got back last week from visiting a band in Colorado. Mm-hmm. The meeting purpose was a creative meeting, and mm-hmm. it wasn't about specific designs. It was more of a mood board lookbook at what they think they might want to be doing in the future. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like a very specific design, but it was, right. hey guys, here's some great ideas, mm-hmm. things we can do, things we can get done by Christmas to try and build a proper Christmas bundle. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do it all the time. We have a full art team um, based in Burbank, <coughs> uh, headed up by Matt Ernie, who is our VP of Creative, has been at the company longer than either of us and has been doing this longer than either of us, has worked mm-hmm. for other merchandise companies over the years. Mm-hmm. He's got a staff here, Nashville um, and London as well as Burbank. We meet with the artists, we talk about creative, and we help them take their vision or their ideas and turn them into actual products. So there's a bond created. We take our art very seriously, and there's a bond created by someone who comes up with an idea. A month later, three weeks later, six months later, coming up with a physical product that was an idea in a brainstorm session or a bar napkin sketch after a a show at a club. So there's, turning that into something he can hand to his mom or dad and say, look, sure. I made it, is a powerful yeah, uh, yeah, part yeah, of what we do. Right. It's a physical now, manifestation of a creative you know, conversation. Yeah. Now, does auto services have a specific person that will go out to brands to try to get a partnership for, mm-hmm. for an yeah, artist? Yeah. We have a woman named Alex Cram who runs our team. She comes from Nickelodeon. She's the head of pro- brand product licensing globally. Mm-hmm back to global yeah. uh, but worldwide we'll look for those Action Bronson stance sock deals but she'll yeah, also look right. for partnerships she brought in a deal with Fuji cameras around Sean Mendez and his VIP experience mm-hmm. so they sponsored his VIP experience so and she also did Wiz Khalifa's Converse deal she mm-hmm. did you know a million of the Grateful Dead Crocs yeah. Grateful Dead Wine you right. know uh, as businesses are out there they still have a value music still has a value because they're appealing to a certain customer. Yeah. Um, so as long as that's out there, there will be a business for us. Before yeah. that happens, let's go back to the Action Bronson Stan Socks. Stance, yep. Stance. Mm-hmm. How do you spell that? S-T-A-N-C-E. Stance. Stance. Okay. Um, B-Boy Dave Stance. Has, Dave's wearing a pair now. Uh, yeah, I'm wearing a... Uh, do they make underpants, too? <laughs> if Only they, for you. If they don't, they should, because I'd wear them. Okay. And I'd be a proud sponsor. Stance underwear? Yeah. <laughs> that's right. But... Understands. You understand what I'm talking about, right? So with that, boom, boom, boom. How does that whole thing start? Is that a brainstorming meeting here in New York Is with the, the woman who used to be with Nickelodeon as well? Do you have a staff you say, hey, Action Bronson, let's all throw some ideas out? Maybe we should start 
all the way back at how it starts day one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Great. Well, mm-hmm. An artist will come to the label and say, we want to do this. We have The label will say, we believe in your music. We believe in your vision. We can help you get it done. Let's do a contract. Mm-hmm. We get into business with an artist. Once the artist is in the building, they'll meet with our team, right? And that'll be everyone on our team to go, here's where my plans are. Here's where I want to go. Creatively, here's my vision. We'll have some art help translate that. The label has some art. They help translate that and come up with a visual for what that brand might be, that logo is, what mm-hmm. the look is. Do they want to have their picture uh, on the cover? Or are they not? You know, those kind of questions all happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll decide at that point where do we go first? And a lot of time it'll be Dan's area. You want to talk about bundles and pre-orders and stuff. We'll start on the web, mm-hmm. right? Because we'll, that's easy enough to get going. There's a, if there's an audience for an artist, they'll be ready to go day one. We might not have a tour for a month, six months, a year, right? We might not have a record for a few months, six months, a year. Mm-hmm. But we can build a web store right away. And we, mm-hmm. You know, we'll try to keep, we'll, we'll try to start building an email list. And you guys have probably heard me talk about this before in, in the class, right? That mm-hmm. we believe it's very important to build and, and really own that relationship with the fans or doing things like building an audience, building an audience that we control, understanding who those fans are so that we can make sure that we're marketing to them in the most appropriate way possible. And to Matt's point, starting with things like a web store or a pre-order or some sort of bundle. And that that tends to be one of the first things we do for artists because that might occur before they go out on tour or whatever Mm -hmm. else. An artist knows what it means to have a website and a web store, and it's important part of it. It's the visualization of that brand, the first step in that, right? You might not have album artwork yet. We got a website which will start to tell the story mm-hmm. of what your your visual approach to your fan mm-hmm. is going to be, and then from there it'll be: Is there a tour? Let's work on the tour merch. Is there uh, an opportunity to go to retail? Let's let's get some art together and go to the mall retailers and try and sell to Hot Topic or Spencer's or Fye or one of those guys. Depending on the size yep. of the tour, does it make sense to do a pre-sale ticketing campaign? Does it make mm-hmm. sense to do VIP? Mm-hmm. VIP probably not on an early artist because you know. Yeah. You don't necessarily want to charge a premium at, for, to give them that access mm-hmm. initially, but mm-hmm. there are some artists that you know have done so well on the ticketing side or the live side or the merch side, it outweighs what they do on record sales or radio play, right? So mm-hmm. another aspect of being part of that whole pizza is some of your business may be driven by a side that wasn't part of your business before. Mm-hmm. We've had an artist or two that stayed around longer with the label because they liked some of those other services and mm-hmm. the music wasn't doing as well but the other things were doing well not the ideal situation right but we had a band together a metal band on Roadrunner back in the day that probably sold more t-shirts than records yeah. I was just thinking back because I think we had, we had Mike Easterlin in and he yeah. had him on the show and I was thinking back as you guys were talking to him we had him and I think he said there was one band who we kept on the label because they yeah. were making money through the merch they weren't making money yeah. yet through yeah. mm-hmm. Right. Literally selling more T-shirts than records, yeah. <laughs> which when you catch on to something cultural and something you know pop culture that the kids want, thing. it's a lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. And it shows that you guys are in the the entertainment business. You know, you're you're not in just the record business mm-hmm. for that reason, yeah. right yeah. there. You're 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 selling the the content, the output, the brand of this artist as opposed to just the recorded yeah. music. And mm-hmm. I still think young bands coming up are still. I want to get signed to a label, it's, and they're still thinking mostly about recording. Sure, of course, recordings, and then yeah, I'm that'll never change. Then that's the way it should be, right? Yeah. Music yeah. creates an emotion, and that's what creates fans—some sort of emotional contact with that artist, 
is what bonds you to that artist. We're the ancillary pieces of that, right? Yeah. We're the, how does he show the rest of the world he believes in that band piece, right? right? He wears mm-hmm. the shirt the day after the concert. That's mm-hmm. how he does that. But mm-hmm. if there's no music, we can't sell the shirts. Right. We can do a VIP. We have a couple artists that do VIPs without playing actual shows. They mm-hmm. just show up to meet people and get paid to shake hands and take pictures, yeah. Yeah. right? We also do every, a bunch of stuff for WWE. We do all their VIP. So the wrestling, uh-huh. uh, WWE wrestling, we run their VIP for them. Mm. So there's no music involved in that, but it's one of the menu items, one of the pieces of pizza that we offer right. anyone who needs the help. All right. Yeah. It's interesting. It's like in um, in the in the tech world. So uh, Major League Baseball has MLB Advanced Media, mm-hmm. and they run the back end. I maybe for the either the NHL or the NBA, but they do websites and yeah. ticketing and all that stuff for other sports as well as just baseball which is kind of what you're talking about here you guys have this very powerful back end that does mm-hmm. that can be translated to WWE for example you mentioned you you signed Shawn Mendes who's a mm-hmm. universal artist not a, a Warner mm-hmm. music artist so you have that ability yeah did we you, have the machine built right yeah. our priority is to, to drive the brand and, and the the vision forward for all the Warner artists but mm-hmm. There are there's room for others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have a, a, a pretty active and aggressively growing what we call a third party business, right? A non Warner mm-hmm. music group mm-hmm. artist business mm-hmm. that we're we have the machine built and we have the ability to you know develop sure. those artists. So we right. we actively are trying to. Yeah, we um, we usually tell the DIY artists that, that think of your music right now because they're trying to get it out there think of it as a piece of merch rather than think of it as this holy grail thing that they have to charge for it and so on because obviously you know it's very hard anyway to pay for music or to get paid for music but now these people instead of you know even some of them still make CDs and then they put the CD and they have now run up $2,500 or $3,000 so they have all these CDs and they're trying to sell them for 15 bucks a shot, you know, and they sell two in a week and so on. We're trying to tell them to think of it as a piece of merch, just like you're thinking of your T-shirt and everything else until hopefully that day will come where people are just, you know, dying to get a piece of your music. Uh, and I think more and more are starting to understand that, that the, the, the central revenue stream may not be the recorded music that they're writing uh, and it may never be for some of them mm-hmm. so in today's yeah. streaming and digital world that's entirely true yeah but on you know but to you know segue to the marketing side of our team that's why what we're doing on on the marketing side of our group in terms of understanding who our fans are understanding who artist fans are becomes even increasingly more important so that we can market to them forever because in a streaming world it's not just one well yeah. It's no longer just one transaction. We need to be constantly in people's faces with delivering them content that they want to hear. So we need to, A, understand who those fans are, own the audience, so to speak, and then constantly be able to market to them. That's just something that we're largely focused on. Mm -hmm. And it's also another fringe benefit to being in all those other businesses with the artists. We now have multiple reasons Mm -hmm. to speak to that fan about something going on on our website, our web store, our social media. Mm -hmm. Right, like I said before, that the back-to-school backpack full of uh, other other tchotchkes, as a release date, 
right? Is just additive to, mm-hmm. hey, oh, that's right, I got it. There's a there's those songs out there. I want to put my playlist back on from from that artist as I get ready to pack my bags for college or whatever. So, mm-hmm. and because it's all housed in one place, the message to the fan or the marketing message to the fan is more harmonized. So there's less fan confusion or customer confusion because it's all all those ancillary products or ancillary services being marketed to by the same voice. So there's not really overlap or there's no risk mm-hmm. of the fan getting messaged three times on the same day from their favorite artist from three different companies because everything to Matt's point is part of an overall marketing mm-hmm. plan integrated mm-hmm. it, it creates an, we've, our team has used the term it creates a cadence of communication Yeah, yeah. Right? it's a great yeah. way to say it it's like we don't want to hammer you with 16 emails today and then not talk to you again right for three months we yeah. want to keep yeah, it going and have a regular natural flow of communication it's like I love this band being reminded every month that there's something new going on right. via email or social media, whatever is great. Yeah. Which is another great part about kind of being in some of these businesses, which is, you know, when an artist goes away to make a record, a lot of times they go dark, either on their socials or in terms yeah. of their marketing yeah. messages to their fans. So because we're involved in some of these other businesses, it gives us as the record company other reasons to constantly engage that fan base because you were talking earlier about what was it your daughter with, yeah. with Mendez, right? right? That when artists go away for some period of time or the, the fans grow up, they might lose that contact with the artist. So yeah. it gives us the ability to constantly talk to fans. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the how much of the social media do you handle for the you know the artists? That's what you're basically. Well, it, it, it depends. I mean, every artist is different, and, and you know, in the interest of full disclosure, our team does not actually handle social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of the only marketing channels that we're not actively involved in as much. Um, but it depends. In some, mm-hmm. ca- in, in most cases, it's the artist directly. It depends on the channel. Some some channels are more personal to the artist. Sometimes yeah, it's yeah. their management team. Sometimes it's the label. It really depends. Sometimes it's a combination of all of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. By the way, I'll. One thing I want to throw out that I think is important is because you brought up the importance of, of email lists a mm-hmm. few times. And it's important for DIY bands, especially before they get signed, to start growing that email list. Because mm-hmm. I would think that would be another thing that would impress it's, it's you. Really, it's really important, and it's yeah. counterintuitive to a teenager right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we all have kids, right? They don't open their emails unless we text them That's or tweet right. them to open their emails. That's right, exactly. Um, but it is, the, it is more of a, it feels more of an authentic communication mm-hmm. if it's coming from the artist, which ours are. Yeah. They know there's something valuable in there. It's not a spam. It's not just, hey, I'm on the own. I'm in the bathroom right now. I'm going to send a picture to my fans. It's an authentic mm-hmm. reason to open and engage usually. And they know that, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, just, just, you know, we're looking at the consumer analytics side of our team. It is constantly the most impactful way to market to a fan time mm-hmm. and time again. It's mm-hmm. way more effective than social, especially in an age where, if you post something on Facebook, best case scenario, you're going to reach 5 to 10% of those people absent paying a significant sum of money. Yeah. This is a way to guarantee that people see it, whether or not they open it, it's a different story. But even when, look at the, when, even when looking at open rates, click-through rates, engagement rates, they're significantly higher time and time again than social or yeah. other means yeah. of, of marketing. But yeah. to Matt's point, it is a bit counterintuitive. Uh, in today's day and age. Well, it's true, because, I mean, I even use, for instance, I mean, what you said brought it up, and I had never thought of it that way, but if I'm going to send something a little more serious, it isn't a text. I'm yeah. going to send it through the, their email account. Not because it's longer enough, because it just, 
like it has a little more permanency, I think, yeah. you know, and that that's probably uh, true even when our kids, you know, well, he, he's sending me this email, you know, rather than a text. So, and then you beat him over the head to open it up because <laughs> mm -hmm. there's something there a little more important than the, than the text. Yeah, but back, yeah. And, and back to what I was saying earlier about being involved in all these areas, it, it, it significantly benefits the artist and us too, to be fair, is that we often use the businesses we're in to grow our email list, right? So we might be at the venue running in-venue activations where text to a screen for a chance to win something from the merch yeah. booth or yeah. give away tickets yeah. to an exchange for an email address or whatever else. Right. So being involved in all these businesses helps us actually then build our known audience and, and build the email list at the same time. Mm -hmm. And through the email list, you can sell the various things you have from your tour merchandise to a VIP package to... Uh, one thing we haven't talked about at all, well, preset thing is fan clubs. Well, the other thing I was going to say even before that is that we're actually very in, we very deliberately don't only try to sell stuff through email because mm -hmm. it, you know to Matt's point there's a there's a, a cadence and there's a communication that we're trying to build between the artist and the fan and we have mm -hmm. to be very conscious to not have everything be salesy it has to be authentic it has to be from the artist it has to be in their voice and you can't constantly be selling right so it's about marketing and letting them mm -hmm. know what's going on that could be anything from you know this is my new dog to this is my dog tag that I'm selling or whatever yeah. else. It's probably right. a bad example, but just a combination <laughs> of, of that. But anyway, right. sorry. Anyway. But, but even for the email, so you meant you just brought that up. So are artists composing their own emails? Is, it, is that case by case? Like you it's case social? by case, but everything, yeah. nothing is, is sent without artists' approval. approval. Everything uh -huh. is approved. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, it has to feel authentic. Yeah. It has to yeah. provide information and not be salesy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't, we all lose, right? Because back to what I was saying earlier, every single one. level of what we do, everything is about understanding who the fan is and engaging the fan. And if it's not either from the artist directly or is with the artist's voice or with the artist's, That's you know, credibility. Yeah. it has to, or, or everyone loses. Yeah. Do you have teams per artist? For example, Blake Shelton, for example, you have a... Uh, staff here that just deals with Blake Shelton and maybe six or ten other artists how do you how do you break that up and then another yeah, we, team we of think people about it like a, like a, a cog in the machine right so we, every artist has their moving part um, but someone is dedicated to making sure that part is spinning we use the analogy uh, of a hub in a wheel mm -hmm. so we call that role the product manager the product manager is the hub to Let's say, uh, use the pizza analogy again, right? The product manager is that little plastic keeper that keeps the box from squishing it when you yeah. get it, right? He's in the middle. She's in the middle. They make sure the VIP team has what they need. The website has what they need. The European uh, retailers have what they need. Mm -hmm. The ticketing guys have the data they need. That the artist management has all of the data and knows where they're coming. That the, you know, it's all in sync. Our product manager runs in tandem with the labels, marketing directors, or product managers to both um, be, be pillars and to move the brand forward in sync. So it's important from a human perspective. Mm -hmm. Let's say I'm, 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 you're hiring pro a product manager on your mm -hmm. side. It's important for that person to be able to interact well with the product manager Correct. from the label because mm -hmm. now you have a lot of communication that's mm -hmm. imperative that yeah. they get along and they're not. Is it human communication and detail specific? Mm -hmm. Right. You have to be trustworthy. You have to be uh, detail oriented and you have to do what you say you're going to do organized yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
But yeah, I mean, the product manager on our team is basically responsible for all of those non-music rights and then interacts with both the label, the manager, and then all of our various teams. So, so every piece of that pizza has someone that runs it, right? So yeah. Dan has the email marketing team, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. The, the CRM point person, mm-hmm. the, let's say, I said Hot Topic before, the salesperson, the Hot Topic, the, you know, pretty much... That person in the middle, that product manager, has to work with all of them. Mm-hmm. The product manager is almost like the educated generalist, so to speak. But every single thing we do has a specialist, and that specialist mm-hmm. might have a team under them as well. Whether mm-hmm. it's, you know, Matt was talking about Alex before that looks after our brand licensing or global brand licensing team. She has then her team email marketing people have their team Mm -hmm. we have project managers that work with the labels and the artists to build all of their websites web stores build out and actually productionize all their emails but the product manager is basically the one that's either facilitating the Mm -hmm. introduction so to speak or just providing that general knowledge of every single thing communicating that to the artist and the manager and then the specialists will basically run from there mm-hmm. yeah the manager the managers used to be more like that product manager yeah. managers now can just have the two point people one at the label and one for the ancillary rights the other mm-hmm. thing too is you mm-hmm. know in an increasingly digital age and a, a very fast moving industry at this point the other thing we, we try to do is actually minimize the touch points that the, art, that the artist needs or that the manager needs so that they only need to talk to, on, on our side, they only need to talk to one person. And then yeah. one person can speak to them about retail merch, email marketing, tour merch, a VIP package, a fan club, which you were talking about earlier, and then disseminate within the group as mm-hmm. opposed to potentially like the old days when there was a separate merch company, potentially a digital agency before labels got as yeah. involved, yeah. a fan club company where a manager or an artist had to talk to 10 people to get some of these things done, of which multi- many of them were intertwined with one another. Yeah. So we tried to actually minimize the contact. When we, when we went down this road of what we started to call them the super product manager a few years ago, is because even the way we were set up in these businesses, we had a merch division, an e-commerce division, mm-hmm. a fan club and ticketing division, each had their own product manager. So what we did was very deliberately and intentionally cross-trained all of those people so that they could talk about all of these businesses all of these marketing capabilities mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then make it easier for the artists and easier for the managers to interact. Yeah, I'm just like an account exec. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So it is. But that's a great job for, we talk with people who, you know, young people who are always interested in getting into the industry and they always want to be an A&R. And we say, why A&R? It's always A&R. Mm-hmm. It's because they somehow want to do something with the artists, yeah. you know. Um, and that's a great kind of job yeah. that they don't know about. No, the, yeah, the, the, it didn't, you know. And the, and the, yeah, the label, it didn't exist 10 years right. ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it, it, it existed at jobs. I mean, it was a tra- no, I don't want to presume anyone likes the music yeah. that I like. It was yeah. a, <laughs> but there was a traffic manager that would just follow the product right. through the label. Yep. Yeah. But not with all these other. Yeah, now there's too much yeah. to, for right. one person to do both. So we have them broken up into label yeah, and. Exactly. And. Ancillary rights. Yeah. Now with fan clubs, at, at what point is an artist? Are some artists coming to you? They already have a fan club intact. Or are you guys creating? How How is the fan club portion work with you guys? <sighs> Most of the time, it's a, an artist. It's too small to have a fan club when we get in business with them. So as their career develops, we have levels of engagement for all of these pizza mm-hmm. p- pieces of pizza. 
-hmm. We know when you get that one or when you should jump yeah, on that one. Yeah. And fan club's another one of the pieces of pizza where we say, wait till we get X amount of uh, email signups, X amount of sales, X amount of likes on Facebook, those kind of things. Yeah, because the worst thing you want to do is launch a fan club, tell, you, tell your super fan you're going to deliver this experience and then not be able to deliver right. on it because there's not enough energy yeah. there and you just, there's just inertia basically but that we have for every single business that we're in we we must have our internal kpis in regards to when it makes sense now that's not to say we what's kpi stand for key performance indicator key performance okay that no that's not to say that we wouldn't launch it even if we don't think it makes sense because we want to actually serve the artist and, and and you know achieve that for them but it, it very often doesn't make sense and I think fan clubs in general are kind of moving more mobile and it, it's a business that's evolved or, or hasn't evolved a ton since the advent of social media because if you really think about it what the fan club used to represent before social media was access to the artist where you could actually get that yeah. regular communication whether that was you fan, know, fan zine fan, or whatever, yeah, zines or whatever yeah. else or whatever it was chats or newsletters yeah. or whatever yeah. that term anymore right yeah. you know but now it's a challenge that you have artists that have paid fan clubs but they're constantly talking to their fans on twitter or instagram mm -hmm. or snapchat and you have the paid fan club members that feel like they're not necessarily getting that service that they paid for so it, it, it's a bit of a challenge mm -hmm. um, and i and i think you know to matt's point i think we need to be very careful about when we launch them for artists because you don't want to alienate that super fan yeah yeah and you can't back. turn it off right it doesn't go away as yeah. long as that band's around you have to give yeah. the fan what they're looking for and ultimately all we're doing in any of these areas is giving the fan access or the, the feeling of being closer to the artist mm -hmm. which is what all of us want when it comes to our passion and our emotion again that's what the music creates mm -hmm. And go, going back to the fan club and the, the key performance mm -hmm. indicators, the KPI. Mm -hmm. So you know historically, in this genre of music, yes. once they're at X number of emails, we know generally 6 to 8% of people will join a fan club from the email or through Facebook. Yeah, or, or, like or for how many tickets they're selling, uh -huh. or the size of rooms. You know, a lot of cases, and, and at least traditionally, the fan club was the, the access to the yeah. pre-sale ticket. Absolutely. So it could be that as well. If the artist is selling X amount of tickets, it probably makes sense to launch a paid fan club. Yeah. Do you have different levels of fan clubs? One in which it's yeah. just a fan club in name versus mm -hmm. one that is a... Mm -hmm. uh, Subscription, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it all and it's it all, all built into the KPI, yeah, exactly. As well. It's all varies. and the artists likes and dislikes and the way they want to treat their their fans. Yeah. What? Because mm. I think back to certain famous fan clubs, uh, going way back, the Beatles. Mm -hmm. You know, we're talking about things that they they would record a single at Christmas time, for example, there. and send that to their fan club members. Dave Matthews Band. Mm. Pearl Jam did that. Too. Pearl Jam yeah. has done well. Uh, U2 used to do great with actually with yeah. the ticket access mm -hmm. through then like yeah. American Express or something yeah. like that. Metallica has a legendary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. So so I guess it's it's all case by case with yeah. how the fan mm -hmm. club is structured and, and what they're giving out. Yeah. That is in it. And I, I find it even interesting when we talk about organization. If I'm a band, let's say I'm, um, his suddenly, name suddenly escapes me, Atlantic artist, redhead, is on hiatus right now. Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. Yes, there we go. Yeah, um, a guy like that who's three sixty five, twenty four, you know, seven, which is redundant. He's the guy who's always on social media, always doing something, always working. Mm -hmm. um, what else? How can you stretch that person even farther for a fan club? 
yeah. to make that an effective thing. Yeah. To make, for example, somebody pay additional money yeah. to be part of the thing. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that's the, the point is that every every artist has um, their thoughts on what any of these services mean. Mm-hmm. Anything we've talked about today, it is customized at every level. And they may be all in on the fan club, but not want to do... Uh, paid me t- yeah. or have t-shirts in Walmart right you right. know what I mean so I mean that's a great point because there's certain artists that you know notwithstanding what the quote unquote KPI say and they could have unbelievably successful and profitable fan clubs or VIP packages they don't want to do it because they don't want to charge their fans for access yeah. Yeah. or to Matt's point we have artists that can sell an unbelievable amount of t-shirts into retail but they don't want to be associated with brand X or you know, mm-hmm. mass market retailer Y or whatever else. Mm-hmm. So everything we do is basically customized to who right. the artist is and what they want. Here's yeah, a question specifically for you, Dan. This is a tweet, and this is going wow. back to when we were actually uh, going to have you on live. Uh, from Music Rocks 2014, Dan, what's the coolest thing you did for a fan club, and who was the artist band? The coolest thing we did for a fan club, and who was the artist band? Um, I think the my favorite thing we ever did was back in my Roadrunner days, and this was a story, this was kind of an example I was giving you earlier about when there was one company or one company involved in all those mm-hmm. businesses, a band called Trivium. We, uh, they went on, on a, if I recall correctly, a 65-show tour of which we recorded every single show. Every single person that attended the show got a download of the show that they attended the next day. We then started streaming a new show in the fan club every single week. Every fan club member also got to, I believe, and hopefully nobody fact-checks me on this, because a few years ago, also got to choose a a few of those shows to download for free, as well as got a discount in the web store. So, like I was saying earlier, I really like trying to figure out ways to make all of those various kind of revenue streams and various businesses talk to each other. Yeah, yeah. That was that was a fun one. We also go yeah. out of our way to make sure that all of the different channels of business we talk about offer something different. Yeah. Yeah. Right? You don't want to have the same exact item in the right. fan club I mean, that's, right. that you have on tour, that you have at Hot Topic, that you have in the oh, web yeah. store. That's why I brought up the creative. You know, yeah. you have yeah. a creative that just brainstorms. Yeah. Yeah, you think about it. We might, do one, we might do one image for a Kid Rock album cover. Like, we did, we did, we've done over 150, 200 images for Kid Rock merchandise yeah. and or other things that he's done in the last year. Yeah, right. But those are the little subtle things that I, I don't think anyone necessarily thinks about or articulates when thinking about having all of the rights under one roof. Yeah. Whereas if there was a different fan club company or a different ticketing company and, and a different merch company and a different record label, there's ne- not necessarily any harmony even between the creative that the fan club might have a very similar design that the label put out for whatever else and it's right. because it's one creative director on the artist services side everything we do is harmonized because yeah. everything goes through that creative goes through the creative team and, and our product manager so they're, they're across everything there's a yeah. brand you know fluidity Mm-hmm. Right. Brand consistency, consistency yeah. that doesn't exist if it's not all in one place. Yeah, you yeah. can't really quantify that from exactly. an economic perspective, no. but it's one of those sort of built-in things. Um, a question for you guys both from uh, Joel is, how do you know what a fan wants and when they want it? That's a good question. <laughs> um, we have a bunch of different ways of figuring that out, right? If you think about it, 
when a band is on tour, we have a pop-up store, right? Litmus test of of items in front of that fan every night. We know immediately which ones sell and don't sell after one night. Same thing on the web store. We can test items on the web store. We can do limited edition, you know what I mean, or sort of fund it as we go type things if that's what the band wants to do on the website. Um, but we also have a ton of history. So we kind of roughly know this genre of music in this size venue yes, at yes. this time of year in this space on the bill, first, second, third, usually does this. And we think we talked about that earlier. There was an artist that surprised us a couple of years ago. But we have some general idea based on a historical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have the band's input. We have the social media interaction. We have the emails. We have the website. We know... Uh, a lot of times our partners, either the licensing companies, the stance socks right. of the world, or the retailers will say, hey, our fans are coming in asking for this band. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it, I think it's a combination of gut, to be honest, right, yeah. and a combination of data. And right. we use the data from the various touch points we have, whether that's partnerships like stance or, or retailers or because we control X amount of websites or, or, mm-hmm. or run these, we're actually monitoring what the fans doing, what places on the website are they looking at, and trying to understand who that fan is to ultimately super serve them. So mm-hmm. it's probably a long way of saying gut and data. And, 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 and custom uh, for each artist. Every yeah. artist is different. Right. There's no rule of thumb. And, for that, sure. and that all that di- all that information gives you basically what you're going to offer in terms of an advance for the merch and so on Correct. and so forth and yeah. so forth. Good, I mean, good you, point, yeah. if, especially on that third-party artist that Dan yeah. was mentioning before, yeah, where it's not I mean. a Warner artist, yes. that that's we're just going mean. out to the free market and saying, hey, Artist X, we can provide these services right. for you. Right. Give us a shot. It usually right. is an advance attached. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Right? Some advance to, to acquire access to the rights to do right. any of the things we've talked right. about today. Right. And that would be based on historicals. A little yeah. bit of gut, but a little bit more scientific than yeah, you would think yeah, as far right. as scientific. I mean, we've been doing it long enough that right. anytime there's an advance attached to it, we, you know, because we are in the context of a large company, we do proper deal analysis and say this is what we think that this yeah, quote-unquote artist will earn over the next 18 right. months or 12 months or three years or however long now, the quote-unquote investment is for, and that right. will then calculate what we believe it makes sense for us to pay. Yeah. Now, basically, the merch deals would are, are refundable, too, if the artist hasn't done certain things, such as play a number of shows that or be in front of X amount of people that was built into the... Define refundable. Returnable? Returnable. I mean. Nah. Not No, I it. mean, no, very often the, the rights might extend until recoupment. Or oh, recoupment, okay. But... They're not. In, in I mean, practice, it, they're not going to write us a right, check. Everything you read, they say that if the, if the, making up a number if it was a million dollars, and they had to play in front of X number of fans, and the tour stopped, and the, mm-hmm. and the old merch deals, then the artists would owe the merch company. Yes, in theory, yeah, those, in theory, those deals yes. exist. Right. Yeah, right. Like if there was a fifty-day tour and yeah. they stopped the tour after twenty-five days, right? The yeah. band breaks yeah. up, yeah. someone gets yeah. sick, yeah. whatever. You know, yeah, right. So but you're saying that a lot of times it's just an ex- extended. I mean, there's a there's a variety of, of ways you can do Extreme it. Extreme right? case, you might go after them and say you owe me money back. Right. But right. when you're ultimately in an artist services business, you know. Yeah, yeah. Hard to play the hard line. Yeah, so that yeah. so that makes your homework more important. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the other side of it is you could potentially potentially structure the deal based on 
those things yeah. happening, meaning X it's amount tears. on execution, X amount on yeah. the commencement yeah. of right. the 50 show data, whatever else. And there's a variety of ways we can do it. And, you know, we've, right. we've definitely over the years gotten creative. Yeah. As more and more artists tour and don't want to pay, use their own money to tour, if they're bigger and the bigger they yeah. are. Yeah. The less well, it goes both ways. In some cases, the bigger they are means the bigger check. In some cases, the bigger they are means no check and better. Yeah. Better, yeah. Kind of goes both Either ways. way, right? Yeah. And when sure. you're signing artists, or is it always artists who are like we mentioned Sean Mendes earlier? Um, did you signed him very early? Yeah, he was yeah. here early. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at what level? What are you looking for when you sign artists to this? to Warner Music Artist Services? Um, Do they have to have a label deal with somebody? No, no not necessarily. Okay. They just have to have potential based on those some of those math exercises we run or, or the gut, really. Mm. And a lot of times it's the music business, right? It's like right. any business. I trust you, Steve. If you have a band you're really feeling good about and you're like, hey, we should look at this band, we would look at that band. Right. Right. So managers, lawyers, business managers, sure. you know, have right. businesses that they're working with and they'll, they'll come to us based on our track record and mm. really... It is all about um, doing what we said we were going to do, providing a service, helping grow the brand, helping monetize the, the, the brand or the artist's emotional connection with the fan mm -hmm. in a way that they feel comfortable. We don't want to sell shirts for $50 on tour if the band doesn't want to do it. We wouldn't do it anyway. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of, like, we're here ultimately to provide a service to the artist. That is to drive revenue for them and help expand their, their brand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, sort of as a as a recap, because we can mm -hmm. start tuning this out, is uh, it's the smart manager, for example. We're not talking about the artist, like the manager who understands that you guys exist and what you do and why you do what you do. Because this is a great opportunity for. I have this artist who's bubbling under. Um, they have a need uh, to do to to get these services provided, and usually don't have the bandwidth to do them all themselves mm -hmm. right. right so they need someone they trust right right i use the example of that guy that manager needs to go to bed at night knowing someone else is worried about the medium t-shirts in des moines iowa on a sunday night or the ddos right. attack that or the artist DDoS. web store right. got attacked with by a hacker uh -huh. yeah. a couple yeah. days ago right. so if, if, if <laughs> you're a manager and you've worked with us in the past i would 99 times out of 100 say that you're going to go to tell your artist I trust these guys I've worked with them in the past mm -hmm. they're good at what they do let them do their job saves us the time right the time you would have spent worrying about the DDoS attack or the medium t-shirts in Des Moines you could now be on the phone doing other things mm -hmm. for your artist like getting on the Metallica tour or getting Coca-Cola to sponsor the tour or getting on some TV show with your soundtrack mm -hmm. right the manager has other things they can worry about besides the Warner Music Artist Services category uh, by category Chinese menu or pizza of all services that we can offer. Mm -hmm. And you brought up one, one last thing that uh, we hadn't really touched upon in terms of the minutia of what you guys do. Uh, you sign my band, we do a 65 day tour and we are in Des Moines. It is your job to make sure that there is stock of the merch mm -hmm. in the venue. Mm -hmm. And are you employing somebody? If it's Let's say it's not a huge venue in Des Moines but it's a smaller venue. Are, are you maybe uh, hiring somebody to work that gig yeah. or work certain depends on each artist. Yes, in general, uh -huh. we would make sure that they have their medium T-shirts on that Sunday night, right? And that we would have a guy on the road with that artist, finances permitting. Obviously, going to come to you as a manager and say, "Here's what it costs mm -hmm. to not run out of shirts in Des Moines, Iowa." 
do you yeah. care? Right. And we think you should. Um, <laughs> right. Here's the way we're going to do it, right? But some don't care, right? Others might go, ah, it's my last day. My hometown's on the West Coast. I don't care about Des Moines, Iowa. I'd rather not have the stock and go home with a trailer full of shirts. I'd rather be clean and know I'm going home empty. But it's also, you know, one of the benefits of working with a global merch company is having, we have a network of, of basically professional tour merchandisers that understand the ins and outs of that building in Des Moines, understand what's the best place to actually sell in the venue, who's the staff there, Mm -hmm. how do you actually incentivize, if it's a bigger room, getting all the staff in the venue to help sell the merchandise for you on, you know, on your behalf, having professional tour people that understand how to forecast what you're actually going to do in Des Moines, so if it is the last show on the tour... In a perfect world, you're going to sell just about outright at the end of the show, but not at the end, right? If we do our job, right. if we you do. don't have to worry yeah. about it, and it's you don't you have to worry about depositing yeah. the money that night, all, paying all the taxes in that yeah. state, right? It's mm-hmm. a service we're yeah, providing, right. mm-hmm. and it's great. And I think at this point, we should also, uh, as we end, I need to thank Matt Young specifically because Marconi and I have our book "Managing Your Band" coming out, and I interviewed you. Yep. for a portion of the book where we talked about this specifically. Cool, I forgot. Almost a year ago, I yeah. think, where we talked about the uh, artist services part of this this minutia uh, when you're yeah. on the road and these mm-hmm. jobs, these people who actually do. When we talked about... Uh, intermediaries. Intermediaries, the intermediaries, mm-hmm. these uh, free agents mm-hmm. basically out there who are working these shows. So, yeah. it's, uh, so thank you again. Yeah, Matt, it's important. For, yeah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. happy to help. All right. Mm-hmm. So we should close out, Dr. Marco. Yes. We want to thank Matt We're Young from the Warner Music Group. Matt Young. Want to thank Matt Young. Woo! Notice how Dan Goldberg did not clap for no, Matt Young. There is, Matt Young. There is a trouble in this room. We want to thank Dan Goldberg. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Dan. Look at that. Look how Matt Woo! is so into Dan right now. Why? <laughs> Dan keeps looking out. Dan is very embarrassed that he's even on this show right now. He keeps looking out the window. Please. It is radio, though. I know. It is radio. So nobody saw that. Uh, I sh- I did shave for this. So I hope oh, you guys realize that. I, I, I did not. No, I really did. So we want to thank uh, Dr. Stabon Marconi well, for being thank here. thank you. Yes. And uh, yeah. This will be aired when? Sometime in 2016 or 2017. <laughs> wow, we're looking it's forward forever to Forever on the internet. It, it will always be so on us, SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. So for Dr. Marconi, Dan, Matt, I'm Professor David Kirkfield, and instead of saying yes. hello, you know what we say at the end of everything? I say, Adios! When you let You're listening. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Music Biz 101 and more.